there's a group of people I just want to um, say thank you to and celebrate that are with us here this morning. And these are our veterans who have served in the military. Would you all cheer them on and say thank you? It is a Veterans Day weekend, and we're glad you're here. We are in a series called Strapped, and we're just uh, dealing with some things before maybe it gets out of control a little bit. What am I talking about? I'm talking about primarily financial messes that we get ourselves into and how to kind of keep ourselves from getting into a deeper mess, how to maybe restructure things in our lives financially. Last week, I shared a graph with you, and on that graph, over the last year and a half, it had two lines. One was heading north in a hurry, like sharply, and that was personal debt and loans, credit lines. And another line was going hard south, and that one was savings accounts being depleted. And what I was showing you is like, man, this is a perfect recipe for messiness. You add in inflation, high interest rates, look out. Well, this week, I want to kind of advance the ball a little bit and talk about how God calls the Christians to get this right. And there's some very basic first steps that he calls the Christians to, and that is to start out getting your finances in order by honoring God first. Let me show you something interesting, Christians. Christians in the room, especially, I'm talking to you. Uh, here's a little graph that we'll start out with this week. This shows where we're driving some of our resources towards households, things that we're spending money on beyond like mortgages and car payments and stuff like that. Uh, where are other dollars going? This is 2021. And I only want to just call your attention to the fourth one on the left there. And it says, it says faith communities. This could be, you know, like churches, stuff like that. Um, it, you see the number reflected there. The only other thing I want to share with you is the very first one on the left. It says animal welfare. In essence, uh, the church is abdicating, the people of the church, the Christians are abdicating, giving so much that now what we honor, uh, what we are giving towards things related to faith, it's rivaling what we do to pay for our animals. It's that low, in other words. We're, 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 don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I, I think you should take care of your animals. But what we invest in faith communities and what we do to honor God financially, it's so low. Like, we're, it rivals our pets. I think to take that slide down. It ought not be that way. In other words, what we do in faith communities should absolutely not be so low on this level of priorities, and yet it is. And again, I'm talking to the Christians. Look, this is an understanding in God's word about how to get this right. It's an understanding in God's word that there's a way to get this right in our lives financially, and there's a way that we can mess this up. And most Christians today have abandoned what God's truth says about finances and are living in some kind of differently worldly way, and it's costing, it's costing the believers, certainly the unbelievers even more so, but even now, the believers. Uh, my kids, I had to uh, do some things at times that every parent has had to deal with with their kids. There's never, there's always an occasion that uh, nobody's ever had, probably not had one of these occasions as a parent where your kid, it's time to eat, and before it's time to eat, they start eyeballing dessert first. Can I have the dessert first? And at some point as a parent, like, I, I mean, I was a kid, I did this, like, I, I wanted the cake first, and then let's eat dinner after. And my mama was going to teach me, like most mamas or dads do, to teach and say, hey, look, 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 you can have dessert. That's okay. But you need to understand that there's a, an order that's healthier for your life. 
And so our parents would say, you know, we, we, we do the things that are, are better and more nourishing for our body. And then at the end, if you want a little dessert, you, you can have that. And though our kids don't like it and it makes them a little frustrated, as a parent, you're saying, hey, I know you don't like it, but if you want to have a healthier outcome when you get older, you don't need to be, you know, hammering the cake first. That makes sense. And in God's word, God says when it comes to finances, I've got an order. And that if you'll do it right first, you can have your cake. Oh, it's okay to have your cake. Uh, it's okay to enjoy some things, but there's an order first. And if you don't get it right, you're going to have unhealthy outcomes in your finances. And God knew this, and so it's been revealed to us in scriptures over and over again that this is the best pathway, and if you start reversing it and you're eating the cake first, you're going to find yourself continually empty and unhealthy. I want to share with you some of that healthy plan that God has for us and from hu for humanity. And God's word from beginning to end, I mentioned last week, the amount of financial management information in the Bible is unreal. I told you last week, every financial manager that's out there got all of his tips of the trade. Ultimately, it came from the Bible. And what God's word says, the greatest uh, people financially understand some of the very basic principles I'm going to be teaching you throughout this series. And so uh, they all really stem from God's word ultimately. And so I'm just going to share with you uh, some things from God's word this morning once again. And one of the things that is in God's word about finances is that First and foremost, because all of it came from God, we established that last week, we don't take pride in, you know, uh, we did it all. No, it came from God. It came from God. He gets the honor. He gets the glory every time we have an income. But what is in God's word about this is that the first and the best, the very beginning of that income that you get every single time, you start with honoring God and then the rest you do whatever with your resources. But it starts with honoring God. God says, yeah, take the cake and eat it. Absolutely. But get some things started first. And he talks about this thing called returning the tithe. The tithe, I said last week, is 10%. That's what it means. Every time I've ever shared that, just like last week, every time I've ever shared that, it happened again. People go, I never knew that's what that meant. I've heard tithe, but I had no clue that that's actually, that it meant a tenth. It means a tenth. God says return a tenth. And I kind of touched on that a little bit last week. We're going to unpack it a little bit more this week. But I did share last week some foundational principles. I said, hey, uh, first of all, let's, Let's understand how we view money matters, and I shared that last week. I talked about things like, hey, we got to deal with our envy, our desire to have what other people have, even though we can't afford it. We got to watch out for that. I did talk about pride. I talked about selfishness, and I said, you know, as Christians, we're called to open-handed living, not closed-fisted living. It was very foundational for this series. If you missed it, I want to challenge you to go back and get that foundational teaching last week. It is on our app. New Walk has an app that you can download Google uh, Store or Apple as well. You can download the app. We've got resources there. And then also, uh, we have a website, newwalk.church, that has the archived messages as well. Catch up in this series so that you can get some of those foundational things. And then, as we move past those foundational things, we get this order right, and we say, this tent, this tithe, what are we doing with it. 
God says, return it to me. Now, I know sometimes we say, I'm going to give God my tithe. And I get why we say that. It's just kind of we're used to it habitually. But here's the thing. You really, it's not giving God a tithe because it's already his. In other words, you can't give to somebody and say, I'm giving this to you when it's already theirs. It's really called returning. Returning the first or returning the tenth. And so God calls the believers, all right, hey, your job is to return first and foremost this tenth. If you don't, you're going to get unhealthy. I went to a doctor. Uh, I was, I said, well, first of all, I was thinking about, you know, last week, and I shared with you, I shared how, how it gets a little squirmy when you start talking about finances. It can get a little uncomfortable. And I said last week, hey, if you find the topic uncomfortable, it's probably because you have a problem financially, right? Anytime we're struggling with something, we don't want to hear about it. And so I said, that's an indictment. If you're struggling with it, that's an indictment uh, to just say, I've got an issue. Let me just actually be open instead of putting up a wall. And I'm going to ask you to, though you may be squirming, I'm going to ask you to take down that wall and say, okay, I want to hear the truth about this because clearly I'm struggling with it. So as a believer, those of you who are believers, I'm going to ask you to take down that wall. But I was thinking about squirming. I I went to a doctor uh, a few months ago. I was dealing with this rash, you know, and uh, I needed some help with it. And so I went to the dermatologist, and the dermatologist had some little prescriptions and things, but said, one thing I'm going to do right now is I'm going to give you a a steroid injection, and it's going to be really helpful for you. And I'm like, sign me up, because I am ready right now. And so then the doctor pulled out this needle that was very different in length and (laughs) width than I had ever been used to. And I'm looking at it going, this, we just went to another level here. And then the doctor said, and I'm going to put this in a place that you ain't probably used to. And I'm like, okay, here we go. I was squirming just a little bit. You know, like I'm looking at the needle. I'm thinking about all this. And I'm like, this is going to hurt. She said, it might hurt. It might hurt. But in just a little while, the antidote, the, the resolution to the situation is going to come your way. I want to say this this morning. You you may squirm a little, but if you receive what it is I'm sharing with you, I'm giving you the antidote. I'm giving you the helper to deal with the situation. Push past that squirminess and say, what if I could get some information today that could set me on a path to be very, very different in the way I'm handling my resources? And so I want to give you some helpers again this morning And here's the first thing, though, that I put in your notes. If you're taking notes, you can write this down on the front of your notes there. Uh, It says this, when it comes to our resources, we have to remember this, uh, that returning to God, that tent, provides the training wheels of our faith. It's sort of the beginning step of of our faith. It's it's like the diaper phase of the believer. uh, The Bible talks about being a babe in Christ, a new believer. It's like you're a baby, you're fresh in the faith. And one of the things is sort of like in that early phase, that early step we can do is we can start returning to God. Now, here's what many Christians do. They'll say, I came to know Jesus Christ. I'm very excited for the forgiveness of my sin. I'll let God deal with me and my finances later. Give me like five, 10 years. Uh, he can work in some other areas of my life, no problem, but not, 
not in my finances, I'll, I'll handle that later. And what you've got to see it is something very different. You've got to say from the very beginning, no, God, I want you to start dealing with my finances right now. It's sort of a basic first step principle, and yet it's so powerful. Let me tell you how powerful it is when you get this right, right out of the gate. Deuteronomy 14, 23, talking about giving and returning, returning to God, it says this, doing this will teach you, it will teach you to always fear the Lord, your God. When I do this, every time I get an income, let's say, so I get, I get 26 paychecks a year. Um, so that's, that's what I get. Maybe yours is once a month or every week. I don't know what it is. But for me, I get 26 paychecks a year. And with that paycheck, every time I get a check, the very beginning, I take the tithe off the top. That's what I do. I return the 10th and I, I give it to this church here, New Walk Church. And what the scriptures say is when you do that, it's teaching you some things. It's teaching you, well, like we talked about last week, pride. It's saying, I'm going to let down my pride 26 times a year for sure, for sure. I'm going to let down my pride and I'm going to recognize that this income came from God, not me. I worked it, I worked, but, but God gave me the skills to work. And so 26 times a year, minimum, I get a chance to recognize that God is Lord of all. I love being able to do that. And there's other ways you can do that in your life. But just with your finances, I'm positioning myself. It's sort of like a reset. Every time I could maybe start to get close-fisted or a little bit greedy, uh, every two weeks I get a little reminder that, no, 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 I'm not going to live that way. I I'm going to honor God financially. And then I love what it says in the scriptures in Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, I'm gonna explain that here in just a moment, so there may be food in my house, and then God says this, this is from God, he says, test me now in this. And I've talked about this before, this is the only time in the scriptures where God says, uh, just test me with your money, go ahead, I dare you. He's like literally telling us, just do it, and you'll see that I am real. 26 times a year when I get paid, I get a chance to test God and watch him be real in my life. What else do you get to do 26 times a year and watch God show off in your life? I get to, there's other things you can do, but man, 26 times I get to do that. And so I take that 10th. Sometimes it's more if I'm doing offerings or tithing a little bit more and this and the other. Uh, but, but this is a reminder or a reset for me to, to say, God, I honor you and God, I'm testing you. And what God does every time is he says, Oh, yeah, you're still going to have food on the table. You're still going to have a roof over your head. And you're going to watch as your resources help impact people around you with your giving, with your returning of the tithe. In every two weeks, I get to be a part of that. And I love that sort of reset in my life. Here's the second thing in your notes. You and I are accountable. Hey, believers, just so you know, uh, we have an accountability. All of us as humans have accountability with our finances, whether we're a believer or not. But as a believer, I'm called to be able to see this more clearly. And here's what Jesus said in Luke 16 and 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Like, oh, that's, I mean, you didn't need Jesus to tell you that, but it's true. Uh, people who are dishonest with a little, they have a track record, right? Past performance is indicative of future behavior. 
uh, people who do well with money also have a track record. And they, you know, they can be trusted more. That's what, God, that's what God is revealing through the Son, Jesus Christ, right here, that trust is a big deal. I hear people say, you know, every time there's a big chance to win the lottery. We had the Powerball, what? And people say, Pastor Gary, if I win this, I am going to bless this church so big. Thank you for that. Did you know you can bless the church now without, before you even win the lottery? I, I don't know if you know that. You can, would you be, how about being trusted with God's money now? And I'm not saying the lottery is God's money, it's the opposite, but I'm just saying like, how about building a trustful track record now, not waiting? And can you really be trusted with more anyways because we haven't been trustworthy previously? So in other words, the point is start now. There's an accountability now, and it says, so if you have been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, or if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who, can you, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who's going to give you property of your own? And here's God's revealing, like, it's all his anyways. And oh, by the way, uh, God is wanting to reveal to us uh, a trusting in the kingdom that goes beyond just worldly wealth. But trust is a big deal. Can God trust you with his resources? I want to be clear, when you give to God as a believer... This is not about you earning your way into heaven. There is no amount of money you can give to be loved by God more than he already does. The price for your salvation was paid for already through the gift of Jesus Christ. And so if you ever hear any heresy, people trying to you know, give so God will love you more, mm -mm. we don't do that here at our church, and I hope you'd push away from that. And we don't play games with this topic, folks. And we're not, I'm not up here selling prayer cloths. I'm not, doing the, I'm not talking about prosperity gospel, things like that. I'm just teaching you the real fundamental stuff here as we learn this. And accountability is important. And I love what God is trusting us with. Check this out. He says, here's the deal I'm going to offer you. I'll give you salvation, eternal life. What is that worth? That's a lot. Uh, I'm also going to give you a relationship with God through Jesus Christ that you can have every day that you're drawing air in your lungs, every second. I'm also going to allow you to have the ability to earn resources in your life. All I ask is that you return a tenth back. That's a pretty good freaking deal. And yet, so many of us, we push back from that great offer God is offering us, once we become a believer, to just honor him and to set our finances in right order. Here we go. Here's the third thing. It is the financial way that God created for the church to reach others. This is the plan he put in place, how the church functions. This is how our church functions. You may not know this. Maybe it's a newsflash, but we actually function as a church because of what you give. Some people are confused about that. They, they, they think there's a magical unicorn in the sky that somehow, you know, gives us money, but it is not. It's coming from the people of God. And it says this, let's go back to this very powerful scripture, Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the, and I, I underlined this word, the storehouse. And then it says, so that there may be food in my house, test me on this, test me in this. Here's what we understand this, is during that time, people would bring their resources, not dollar bills, 
but resources that they had during that time, uh, food, animals, things like that, bring their grain, bring it to a place of a storehouse. This would be a part for the community to be blessed because of the people gathering. God called, God called the people of God during that time, the Israelites, to be a blessing to the world. And these people, these communities of people would gather together, bring their resources. And God says, bring it to this place. Here we are in 2022. We're not really bringing our grain to the storehouse, but the storehouse is the work of the church. And we're bringing our finances to his house so that the community can be reached. This is what we do. It takes resources to make it happen. And that's how we got into this building. Very faithful people going forward and saying, I, I'm going to do my part. I, I'm going to trust. I'm going to test God. I'm going to trust. Uh, this building you're in, some of you are very new to our church. For nine years, we did set up and tear down in a YMCA. And then during those nine years, people put their resources together. They tied and then they went above and beyond and gave so that we could all be here in this place. Now there's a whole nother add-on we're doing that's gonna be right over here with a 15, 1,600-seat auditorium as we expand. And we had planned to do that before COVID, and COVID kind of whacked that a little bit. And now, this past couple of weeks, we've been dealing with the architect to kind of get things moving and flowing again. And so we're loving to be able to be a part of that. And all of that's happening because people see that this is the place, this is the storehouse, and this is the work that's happening in our community. Look. We have 80-something storehouses in our community in East Pasco, churches. God says, take your whole tithe and bring it to one of those storehouses. And I'll say this, if New Walk is not the place where you want to bring your whole tithe and you, want to, and you believe another church can do a better job in reaching the community, I'll say what I always say, go to that church and give there. But if New Walk is your home, be here and bring the whole tithe here to this place. I'm going to talk about the whole tithe a, 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 little, bit, a little bit more as we move forward in this. I, I thought what I would do, though, is spend a little time giving you some of the great excuses that I have heard over uh, the years. Like, this is um, something we ought to be obedient towards. There, there's no question. We should be obedient and push past all of the excuses. But I thought... You know, I've certainly here probably a dozen excuses that I could, over the years, I'm, I'm going to give you five of these excuses that I've heard people say, this is why I, I can't do this or don't want to. Here's the first one in your notes. People will say, well, can I really trust the organization? Is it a good organization? This church. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Let me read the scripture first, Matthew 25, 21. His master replied, Jesus said, well done. Good and faithful servant, you've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Again, accountability and trust. And I think that's important in the work of the church. There should be accountability. The church should be a trusted place for you to give your resources to. I get that. That makes sense. I, that's important. And, and I love the track record that our church has. And I want to tell you a little bit about some of that track record here in just a second. New Walk is a solid and sound organization to bring your whole tithe to. Not because we have coffers full of cash, actually. Not at all. I hear some churches bragging about how much money they have on hand. 
what good is all of that money if Christ returns tomorrow? And so we do stay aggressive, certainly, in making sure we're reaching our community, and we are heavily involved in evangelism and making sure that people know Jesus Christ, and I know that there's an accountability for that in this church that we would handle our resources well. Just so you know, the scriptures say there's a whole separate level of accountability for a pastor. And so I, I already get, I get it, like it, it's a big deal. And I recognize that, that level of accountability. And I also know that you've seen churches mismanage their money. And you've seen scandals over finances, not just churches, right? A lot of non-for-profits, but you've seen it with churches. And I know the media will pick one out of you know, 10,000 and ignore the other you know, 9,999 that are so obedient and accountable. But I know that it's a question that people have. And I, when I start talking about returning the tithe, there's always a group of people who say, well, 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 you know what, a pastor probably wants to get rich. <laughs> I want to address that for a second. The house that I live in, I moved in that two years before this church even started. I've been there this whole time. We haven't upgraded, changed. We're still in the same place. The car my wife drives, it's an 11-year-old minivan, and it's pretty beat up. It still runs, but it's pretty beat up. I drive a Jeep. I've had it for seven years. I've only had one other car that I've had in the history of this church, and it was a Kia. I'm not saying I'm just saying, like, that's what I had. I'm just saying, like, there's, this is it. We're not in this. I did not, folks, we're the founding people of this church. This is like our baby, and we want the very best for it. And you need to know when you're giving here, you can trust that people that are leading this church and other leaders we have in place care about what we're doing here. Our entire staff, staff tithes to this church. I think it would be tough to sit in a chair at a church and think, okay, we got all this staff and we got all this stuff and nobody is coming to know Jesus Christ. And I think if you ever sit in a church like that, you ought to look around and ask some questions. Like, what the heck is going on here? Well, that's not the case at this church. People are being reached regularly. Can I just share with you these statistics just since COVID? You know, COVID wrecked some churches. There are churches that have closed all over America because of COVID and the lockdowns, and they never recovered. Our church, it certainly hit us. Uh, we're still dealing with it today, some of the consequences of all of that. It's taking us, it's you know, probably another full year to unpack from all of the things that happened with COVID. But just since COVID, during that time, we kept the pedal down. Since COVID, we have seen 2,000 people come to this church and say that they've received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We've had over 400 people be baptized just since COVID, 400 people. We continue to disciple more and more people than ever before. We have seen a new church start out of this church, out of this church during this COVID time. We are raising up leaders, reaching new leaders, sending out new leaders, and continuing to reach our community in the toughest times of the church. This church kept moving and moving forward for our community. And so, yeah, we've got a great track record. For 16 years, and I love what's happened just in the last two years. 
Here's the next excuse I've heard people share. Well, pastor, you know, somebody else will do it. I'm busy or I'm struggling. I'll just let other people take care of it. And I shared with you last week that, hey, did you know only two to three, no, sorry, four to 5% of the people that attend this church actually tithe here? And so not everybody is doing it. We think everybody do. I said some, you know, another segment of people give a little bit here and there. And I said, half the people that come here don't give anything. And so I was like, no, not everybody else is taking care of it. And we do our part. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 15. Nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Uh, it says... Here, Paul is saying, is like, stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. This is about you. This is about your heart. We said last week, this is a heart issue. And so what about your heart? Are you doing your part to work and serve and develop and grow the kingdom of God? Most people in America today have become so consumeristic with the church. It has become, what can the church just do do for me. There is a line, though, that you cross when you finally get it, and you go from consumer to contributor. Consumer to contributor. I'm going to invite some folks to come up here on the stage with me, and I'm going to uh, just show you a little bit of an example of what I'm trying to talk about through a little bit of an illustration. And as they make their way up here on the stage, I want to ask you, have you made the switch financially to go from consumer of the church to contributor? This illustration, it, I guess I would start off by saying this little gift right here, it, this represents, let's say, the gift of Jesus Christ. 2006, our church started, and we, my wife and I, we, we took this gift and we were pushing it like all over the community. We were wanting people to know Jesus. And we had some other folks too um, from our community that helped us start this church. Some of them still here with us today. They joined in too, man. And they were, they were pushing and pushing and pushing. And then over the years, as we grew, others said, hey, I want to help too. And they went from being a consumer to a contributor. And so they said, hey, I can help. I can do my part. And, and they began to push and push. But while we were pushing, people were kind of still just hanging out on the sidelines being just kind of consumers. And I think it's kind of a little portrait, you know, of where we are in the church today. We've got some over here moving the gift every week. Moving, moving the gift. And we got some that are just kind of hanging out on the sidelines, mingling, just enjoying the things of the church, but not actually stepping in and doing their part. And so what I'm asking you to do in this series, everybody that calls this church their home that's a believer, to say, hey, I'm going to cross that line and be a contributor, where we all put kind of our comforts down and say, this is my part. Let's move it. Let's push it. Let's all get involved. How much could we do? How quicker could we do this? How much more quickly? How, how much more powerfully could we move this gift throughout our community if everybody got involved? I'm asking you to do that. Thank you all for helping me with that. Thank you very much. 
I'm going to challenge you again, like I did last week, to take a step of obedience and step up and be a part of the work of this church. Here's the third thing, an excuse that I hear. Well, Pastor Gary, I just don't have enough money to give. Well, first of all, the tithe is a tenth. So if you make a little bit, it's still a tenth. If you make a lot, it's still a tenth. So it's an equal sacrifice thing that God has set up. And I don't know why he picked a tenth, but it's pretty remarkable. You know, there's a statistic that says, um, or a research that was out there that said, to feed, to feed just the hungry in our world, if everybody tied that was a Christian... They, they, first of all, they said, for, to feed the hungry in the world, they said it would take $80 billion every year to feed all the people who are hungry. And we would never have hunger on the planet. So it would take $80 billion. But they said if all the Christians tithed at their churches, the churches would all have enough to be explosive in their communities. And they would have not just $80 billion left over to feed those who are hungry, but $100 billion a year just if the Christians tithed. God set up a way in which the church could bless the entire world continually if the Christians did this. But here's what it says in Matthew 6, 19. It says, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And I love that last part because we get a reminder here from Jesus saying it's a heart issue. This is not a how much do I have or not have. This is a heart issue. And so we push past that. And of course, the reminder here is when you invest in the things of God in your work in your church, you're investing in something that will last forever as people's lives change. Everything else you'll put your money in on this earth, it will be gone. But life change and the work of the church lasts forever. And that's why it's such a big deal. But it is true, we do have enough money for our cars. We've got enough money for our Amazon purchases. We've got enough money for the phones that we have. We seem to have enough money to buy our $5 coffees. We've got enough money for our credit card payment most of the time. We've got money for our dinners out. But what we're actually doing is spending it all and then saying, God, now I don't have anything else left. We're reversing that and saying the first goes to God. And then I'm going to work with the help maybe of others and management to figure out the rest. But I'm going to start not later, not five years, ten years, when I finally get it all together. But now I'm going to start honoring God. It is a faith step. It is difficult. I understand that. It was for me the first time. But then God began to continue to reveal himself. I love, it goes on in Malachi. It starts in Malachi 1, something very powerful I wanted to share with you. It says this, you are presenting defiled food upon my altar, God says. But then you say, well, how have we defiled you, God? In that, you're saying the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? So during that time, people would make an offering for a, a sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sin. 
And they would bring their very best for that, sac- for that offering. Now we know in the New Testament that Jesus Christ became the offering for our sin. During that time, this is how it's done. And what God is saying here is, you seem to continue to bring me the last of what you have, the most, like, the, the, the struggle of what you have. You're not bringing me the best, you're bringing me the last. And he says, like, what's going, what's going on with that? And if you tried to do that to your governor, would he accept it? But think about that right now. You get to the end of the year, tax time comes or whatever, you start doing your taxes, and you're like, governor, I ain't got no money. How's that going to go? Well, that's going to be a problem. And God is saying, you can't do that with your governor. And by the way, they just take it automatically a lot of times. You know, just like, they'll just come get it if they need to. And they take way more. Have you noticed? Like 20%, 25%, 30%. But here's God saying, no, no, don't leave leftovers for me. Bring me the very, the very best. And that is always going to be the first If you are in a position right now where you're saying, Pastor, I just don't know how I could ever get this right. It seems like it'd be a struggle. Great news for you. I shared this last week. Have a free two-hour seminar we're offering everybody in the church on December the 4th. It's called Financial Peace University. It's really an intro, like with some basic overview of some tips that we can give you going into the holidays. We're having a full-on Financial Peace University session for like three months or so in, starting in January. Love to have you be a part of that, but we wanted to give you some free resources right away on December the 4th for two hours. Bring your spouse if you're married and join us and get some key information about how to start getting your finances in proper order beyond just honoring God, if you're interested in that class, we want to send you some more information about it. If you'll write FPU on the back of your Connect card that you got, the little card you got when you came in, circle FPU, drop it in the buckets when the buckets pass at the end of our time together. Uh, We'll put you on a little list to kind of remind you and share with you some of the information about that gathering. Here's number four in your notes. Pastor, I give to my church, but I also give elsewhere too. And I think um, that could be great but there's something I want to draw your attention to. Let's go back to Malachi 3.10. It says uh, this, as we put it, I'll wait for them to give you that fill in. Here's what it says. Bring the, what's the next word? The whole tithe to the storehouse. So a lot of times people will say, well, pastor, I give 10%. I give 1% to your church and 1% here and 2% there and 1% here to make my 10%. Um, And I want to say to you, some of those organizations you're giving to may be very great, but God says the first tenth comes to the the work of the church, the storehouse. After that, it's offerings, and there may be some great places to give your offerings to. I do that. My wife and I, we, we have places we give other monies to, but our first tenth minimum minimum comes right here to this place. In many years, it's been way more than, than just a tenth. Nowhere in God's word does it say uh, give 1% here and 1% there and 2% over there. No, it says bring the whole, bring it to first and foremost the storehouse. And I'll say it again. If New Walk is your home and you believe in the work we're doing, bring the whole tithe here. If there's another place that you think can reach this community better, take your whole tithe and give it there. Here's the last thing I wanted to share with you. Well, Gary, did, Pastor Gary, did Jesus talk much about the tithe? I don't, 
I don't see that he talked about the tithe at all. Well, we know of an instance for sure that he put his stamp on the tithe, and I want to share it with you in Matthew 23, 23. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay the tithe of mint and anise and cumin, but have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done, and here he says, without leaving the others undone. He says, here's the problem. He's dealing with the Pharisees. He's, here's your problem. You tithe, but you don't love people. He said, you should tithe, but you should also love people. Jesus was a Hebrew boy growing up and a Hebrew man. He was taught day in and day out that you tithe. Not one time did the Pharisees, or in, and they called him out all the time, not one time did they say, you are robbing God, Jesus, you're not tithing. He understood that this was an incredible principle. And then people will say, well, he only said it once. Can I just ask you, how many times does Jesus have to say something before you accept it as truth? Once is enough for me. And right here, he puts his stamp on the importance of the tithe. Besides, Jesus always took it to the next level. He took love to the next level. He took adultery to the next level. He took what murder is to the next level. He took what marriage is to the next level. And of course, he took giving and finances to another level as well. The tithe was just simply the minimum. Last week, I asked people to take a card that was on their seat. It looks like this. You have one again this week. And I said, would you take a step of obedience in this series, one or two steps of obedience? I'm at, this is what I'm asking you in this series, to take either one or two steps of obedience. Last week when I asked people to do that, I thought it might take some time in this series for people to start making those steps. Last week, 152 steps were taken from people who said, I got a step to take. And I love that, but that means hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you still have not. I'm inviting you in this series to take one or two of these steps. The top one on that card is the 90-day tithe challenge. It is a money-back guarantee tithe challenge. And what is that? Uh, we've offered this occasionally at our church. If you will start every time, we're starting right now, every time you get an income, you'll set that aside for God and trust that living off 90% is better than 100%. If you will do that and you go 90 days, if you don't see that blessings were happening around you because of your giving to the church and people coming to know Jesus, if you don't see that your food was taken care of and you had a roof over your head, if you think there's a problem with that and God's promise at the end of 90 days, if it didn't work out, we will give you all of your money back. We'll write you a check. But what we know is God will show off in those 90 days. It may be tight. But you'll have food, you'll have a roof over your head, and you'll see people coming to know Jesus Christ. But you can take that tithe challenge, so that's the first step. Uh, if you need to take that, you're not tithing, which we know statistically it's a lot of folks. There's the first little box to check in and say, that I'm going to do that. Others of you, maybe you tithe, or maybe you, you want to start tithing, but you want to be a part of our Christmas offering. That's the second box. You check that and say, I want to be a part of that. On the back of the card, there's a place for you to say, this is my commitment to the Christmas offering. Now, you don't have to pay it all at once. You can pay it over six, seven, eight weeks, however, uh, but it'll make a pledge to be a part of the Christmas offering, and that's how we fund the big outreach we do here at Christmas time. And so I'm going to invite you to be a part of our 
Christmas offering, the greatest gift Christmas offering. Whatever step of commitment you're taking, you'll make sure we got your information on the back there, and you'll drop it in the boxes down the hallway on the right-hand side after service. You just walk up and say, here's my step of obedience. Here's my step of obedience. And so take that card with you when you leave here if you're taking a step today. We've had people doing it already this weekend again. If you decide to take a step of obedience, I will uh, send you an invite uh, first of all, if you take the tithe challenge, I'll send you a video uh, of some pointers about the tithe challenge. But then if you decide to take the tithe challenge or the Christmas offering step, we're going to invite you to a special worship night that we're having before Christmas services here uh, happen here in December. Uh, we want to invite you to that special worship night that we're going to have in December. So please give us good information, uh, contact information on the back of your card. As we close out our time together, I want you to watch this little video of a family in our church that has been impacted through the work of this church, but also had to push past some excuses in order to trust God this way. Watch this video. Hello, my name is Michael Sutton. Uh, this is my wife, Elizabeth. We're a family of six, we have four kids two boys, two girls, and we've been coming to the church now for uh, five years. Five years. Mm -hmm. I, I, I hit a point when I was a teenager where I started to see things that, to me, seemed kind of funny with the church. There, there was a park right next to the church where we would play basketball, and there was uh, one of the guys from the church that came up and was talking to him playing basketball. And I, I said to him as a, you know, as a thing, was like, it's kind of funny that you have the building fund and all this money given given to the church, but not a single thing had been fixed in the church. No pews, no, uh, no doors, no doorknobs, nothing fixed in the church. But the pastor had a brand new Cadillac. So, you know, it kind of threw me away from you know, it gave me a, that, that last final push to say, you know what, maybe I'm done with this. By the time I was 17, 18, it wasn't even, it was an afterthought. And I joined the military. Now fast forward to 2011, to that, 2012. I got deployed out of Alaska to Afghanistan. There was an attack on the five. The, the way that it happens is they knew that attacking during the morning, during a meal, was the best thing because they catch everybody going to breakfast. When it hit the fob, the shockwave from it knocked me out. But as I, when I woke up, um, I didn't take it for granted. I kind of saw it as, okay, God was looking out for me. I took that as, as, as a little bit of a sign. So from that point forward, whenever we went to meals, I would pray quietly before every meal from that point forward. We were invited to church here at uh, Newark by the, by the overalls. They're, they're our family. They grew up, we grew up with them in Ohio. You know, we, we come down here for holidays and that kind of stuff, and they would invite us to church. In 2018, he retired from the Army. We moved here to be close to family. And once again, the overalls invited us to church. So uh, we went, mm -hmm. and I started going every week. It was something I needed, I craved it. Uh, I felt like Pastor Gary was talking to me every single time I went. Uh, and then I asked Mike, I said, I would like us to go as a family once a month. That's all I'm asking. I didn't think it was too much to ask. And he agreed. Uh, and before I knew it, uh, he was the one that was reminding us, saying, hey, it's Saturday night. It's time for us to go to church. 
Um, and then that's when we decided to go to boot camp. Uh, we started serving. He started serving in the parking team and then eventually CST. And I've been in the kids' ministry since 2019. In the beginning, starting to, starting to give money was a little bit hard for me because remember when I was a kid, I saw I had this, this thing that kept me, well, I was like, I was like, okay, the money's not really going to the church. Right. After a while, it was not even thought about. It was like, you know what? It's coming. I don't, I don't even notice it. I don't mm -hmm. even notice it. We got laid off. Um, we didn't even, it, it, we cut back on some things, but the stopping the tithing didn't even cross our minds. When we, when I did get the, the new job, I wonder if it was within, I think by that, by that first paycheck, we had decided to up our tithing again. You can see what our church does with mm -hmm. the tithing, you know, with Christmas service, Easter service, any, all the, like the Kids Glow weekend we just had. You see what, it's, it's drawing people in, the big events we have, it's drawing families in, and they may come for that big event, you know, but they're staying because the message and God's talking to them. And there's nothing better than knowing that this church is deep rooting itself in our community and helping our community become better through through the love of Christ. There's nothing. It's just an amazing feeling, knowing that. We, are, we can be a part of helping people reach out to them. Thank you. Thank you to the Sutton. <laughs> Folks, I give and I tithe. I tithe out of obedience to God. I tithe, though, because it's a heart issue. I tithe because it's a right priorities issue. But I tithe more than that. I, I tithe because I see lives changing in our church. I tithe because there's a guy that goes to our church and not long ago he was hooked on cocaine. He came to know Jesus Christ and he's living a very different life now. I tithe here at our church because there's a woman that goes to our church and she was wounded badly when she started coming here. But by his stripes she has been healed and her life has been radically transformed. I tithe here to this church because of the amazing work and power of the local church. Because 2,000 people have come to know Jesus Christ just since COVID. I tithe to this church because I get letters all the time. People share with me about what God has done in their life through the work here at New Walk. I tithe at this church uh, because there's a woman, uh, many women that come here and they'll share, my husband hated coming to church and now he loves being here and leading our family to church. I tithe here because of that. I tithe here because of the work happening in our kids' ministry every weekend. I tithe here because of the work happening on our student nights, on Wednesday nights here in this auditorium. I tithe here because I can only imagine what it's going to be like to be in eternity in heaven and be around the very people that my resources help get the message to, and they came to know Jesus Christ because I was financially obedient. I can't wait to see all those people. And so I'm challenging you to take the step of obedience and get things started on the right foot financially. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the uh, opportunity we get once again to gather here in this place, hear your word. God, I believe you're stirring and challenging believers right now to take this step in their spiritual journey. God, it's, it, it's squirmy, it's difficult. God, let them push past that. Take that card out in that hallway and take that step.
can't wait to see, God, what you're going to do in the coming months and year because people are being obedient to you right now, getting this health issue in order. God, we give thanks for these tithes and offerings that we're about to receive right now. Lord, there are people that are going to give. They've given all week through maybe online, and some are going to give right now in service. We give thanks for that too. In Jesus' name, amen.